Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Father, we pray this morning as the house of the Lord that we have come together to worship you and to praise you in the day of the Lord. We pray, Father God, that your word would be a lamp unto our feet, that you would... Uh, Give us, God, that portion of today's nutrition and that which will carry us in the days to come. We pray, Father God, for understanding, that you enlightened our understanding and give us um, insight into your word, that your word, Father, would nourish our spirit. And when the day of battle comes, we would stand strong, that nothing would cause us to waver and to move in a direction opposite than your instruction, Lord. We pray that we might welcome your word in our hearts, that it would be a good seed planted in our spirits that would produce good fruit and a harvest that would glorify your name. We pray that this church would fulfill the purpose you've called it to in changing the world. We pray, Father God, that Miami would be blessed and that you would send over our lives your provision to serve you with excellence. Make us strong, Lord. Give us strong men with strong women and strong marriages, strong families, strong children for your glory. Allow these days that are evil that there would be righteousness as a light that shines bright in the midst of darkness, Father. We pray that you would prosper your word in our hearts and that we might rejoice. That your word would be a double-edged sword that would separate the soul from the spirit. And that we might, Father God, grow thereby and mature with responsibility and service to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Um, Wednesday we were talking about the restoration of friendships. And we were talking how important it is in Matthew 5.23 that as we worship God, we can't worship God without relationships. We can't worship God without relationships. So it says there, if you're bringing some type of interaction with you and God to the altar of God, and remember that there's an issue between you and your brother, you know, leave your gift there and go and find out what's taking place. Verse 24, leave your gift at the altar and go your way first. Find a reconciliation with your brother. Then come and offer your gift. Now watch this, this is super important. As soon as you've gone and you've told your brother, I'm sorry, I want to be here for you, I'm open for a connection, you're done. You've already opened the doors for him to come. If they don't come, don't force yourself upon an unrepented, unreconciled relationship. Wait for God to work with that. Let, let God, people know how to do that. I, I've been impressed for people that they disappear for like 10 years. And all of a sudden, God just moves in their heart and they call and they say, you know something? I'm ready now to have a relationship. Don't force a relationship that's not ready. Uh, super important. Uh, I remember there was two sisters here at the church. They were in a fight with each other. And, and finally, they reconciled, right? They, they were like, okay, we're on the same page. I fr I'm sorry. You're sorry. Okay. And then the church broke out in a dance. Right? So everybody started dancing. And, and, and this woman who just reconciled with her sister says, come on, let's dance. And the lady says, I never dance, you idiot. 
You know, like, I, why are you making me do what I don't do? That's not normal. So some people, they don't, reconciliation, friendship, but they, they, they do stuff that's not normal. And I, I, when they came and says, could you believe she didn't want to dance with me? I go, she never dances, you dunce cap. You just ruined the relationship again. Why are you messing with the poor woman? She doesn't dance. You know she doesn't dance. Uh, so some of us are difficult and we, we, need, we need help. Okay, so, so this thing about being reconciled is you're not forcing now a person to do what they're not ready to do. Leave them in peace. Some people need 15, 20 years before they come around to say, okay, now I'm ready to have a friendship or I'm ready now to engage you again. You, you asked for forgiveness. You told them that you're ready. Now just let that thing work itself out. Don't force it unnecessarily. So in this particular instance, we talked about this gentleman, Aitofel. He was one of David's counselors. We found out that he was the grandfather of Bathsheba. His son Eliam was one of David's warriors. So Ahithophel sat on the cabinet of the king's counselors. He saw David go and have an affair with his granddaughter. He saw David murder his son-in-law. He saw David care less about the relationship with his warriors. And then he got bitter. And then in a moment of rebellion, when Absalom, David's son, rises to rebel, Ahithophel changed the guard. He went over to Absalom's team and he wanted to kill David. And it got so frustrating that he went and he killed himself. He was so bitter. He was so, there was so, so much lack of forgiveness. He wasn't able to restore that relationship. But David was able to go ask for forgiveness for the adultery, for the murder, for the craziness that he was doing. And God, he, he, he was able to heal his relationship with God. So in this regard, as I see all this craziness, um, today I want to talk about, when we talk about being, you know, having a testimony here in, in the present generation and landscape, I can't, I, I, you, you need to know this and stick it in your heart and, and work it as it goes through. But God has decided he is going to use brokenness. And, and that to me didn't sound right. And I'll tell you, I, I had been a Christian for 15 years. And I go up to Chicago, Illinois, um, to the Moody Bible Institute. And now there's 2,000 pastors there at a pastor's conference. And I go into one of the workshops. And the guy who's teaching the workshop says, God's purpose in your life is to crush you. And I was like, I wish somebody would have told me on day one because I've been avoiding God crushing me like there's trouble and, and, and I'm, I'm dodging the bullet. I would have said, put it right here, man. Just crush me. If what you want to do is use a broken vessel, I don't have to run anymore. I don't have to hide. I need God to grab the biggest sledgehammer in the world and come down on my head and just undo this guy who doesn't want to be broken. And so I want to tell you and share the wealth. There's some of you that are here the first day. God's after you to crush you. He wants you to fall apart while you're trying to keep it together. And so there's many things in life that breaks us. And, and, and it's, it's, 
It's when we feel the most vulnerable and weak and uncomfortable. And a lot of people don't want to come to church because it's a place of breaking and crushing. And right about that time, they're about to die to their pride and to their ego and to their self-worth. They run out those doors and say, those people tried to kill me. Yes, mister, because you need to die. And who is God going to use if it's not those of us that are here? Okay, don't clap yet. Don't clap yet. We're not even started. Let's, let's read this. God, and, and you could put this on, the, on your forehead every night before you go to sleep. God has decided to use broken vessels. We, we say amen. We don't even know what we're talking about. You wouldn't be saying amen if you knew what I was talking about. The, 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 the whole, why so much suffering, hardship, trials, setback, difficulties? Is there ever a time that I'm not going to experience a challenge to Make me just just surrender at his feet. Is there ever going to be that day? And so the, the words that are used in the Bible by these men in Isaiah 6, 5, when God confronts Isaiah to say, listen, I'm going to break you like you've never been broken. I think Mr. T told Rocky that, right? What did he tell him on that fight? He's going to break you. I'm going to, Huh? The right, one of those things, Rocky, what's the other guy, um, First Blood, Rambo, this is God, he's saying, I'm going to break you. And so Isaiah is confronted by God and he says, I'm undone. This is brokenness. That's it. I'm no longer able to challenge you. I can't come against you. You have made me fall apart to pieces. I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. There's not a person that has stood before God who has not fallen like a dead man. And, and you know, so, some of the kids, <laughs> Friday night, is, is I, I said, listen, you don't do that no more. They were like, you don't do that anymore. They're making fun of me. But see, that's a non-broken kid. I was going to break him. I was going to break him because I'm the senior pastor of this church, and I got a 10-year-old. I'm like, this guy's going to grow up to be 31, and he's going to be unbroken. But guess what? When he stands before God, he's undone. It's not going to be the pastor that breaks him. And, and that, okay, so that's us, spiritually speaking. We're telling God, mm, and God is saying, I'm going to break you, my friend. And, and we don't know this aspect of God. I have to be a good pastor. I got to let you know that you're headed for some serious brokenness. And if you know that ahead of time, when I went up to Chicago and I came back, I said, okay, God, I'm the bullseye. You know, do what you want to do so that I can be a useful vessel in your hands. So then my, my house was flooded and we lost it. Then lightning struck and it fired, it broke down. And, and then the illnesses. And then my brother-in-law went to jail. And then my closest friends and my brother. And all these things are taking place, which just makes you nothing. 
It makes your life fall apart. And you're like, God, I thought you were going to put my life together. And he says, no, I got to break you. You're not fit to be used when you're stubborn, when you're proud, when you have a, a sentiment that you expect. Why aren't they treating me with dignity? Who are you? I loved Nick's sermon last night. Tell, tell your neighbor, you're just a bunch of dust, mister. You clothed yourself this morning. You put a little cologne on, but the Lord formed you from the dust of the earth. What, what, you were, you're dust driving a Mercedes Benz. So what? You're dust. <laughs> you're just dust. So who are you so sophisticated? No. And so here it is. He says, I'm undone. Simon Peter in Luke 5, 8 says the same thing. When Simon saw Jesus and he saw what was going on, he fell at his feet. Go away from me, Lord, for I am undone. I'm a sinful man. Why do you want to have anything to do with me? Why, Why am I standing up to be so proud? And so here's the principle, Matthew 21, 43. I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you. And will be given to another type of people who will produce the fruit. We all know that that soil needs to be broken up before you plant something in it. You you can't throw seed on hard ground. It it won't produce the fruit. And so God has to come in there. and, And they have to break the land, break the soil, break all the hard stuff, get the stuff out. And so he says, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you. Do you want to produce the fruit of the kingdom? Then you need to be broken. And if you don't produce the fruit, it's going to be given to another people that will bear the fruit. So who are the people that God most use? Say with me, broken people. Broken people is who God uses. I've never met a preacher who's not broken. And so he says, well, he's a preacher? Yeah, man, he is broke. Not, not only financially, the guy is broke that, that he could do nothing else in this life. Verse 44 says it more clearly. Either you fall on the stone and be broken, or the stone falls on you and you'll be crushed to powder. It's better for us to throw ourselves on the Lord and let him deal with all those areas. Lord, look at this mess I am. Look at this mess that that I've become. Look at this, this total nimwit. Who were we when the Lord found us? A big zero. Negative a thousand. We weren't going anywhere fast. The Lord has come into our life and now he wants to diminish it so it disappears. Listen, the most difficult people upon the earth are unbroken people. That's why God wants to break us. God God wants to bring us to this, this thing. Whoever falls on Jesus will be broken. And it's not because it's a bad thing. It's actually a good thing. He's going to confront all the stubbornness, all the pride, all the attitude, all the questioning. But if you don't fall on the stone so that you're broken, then it will fall on you. And you'll be grounded to powder. Why does God want to break us? Psalm 34, verse 18. Because there's no time that we're nearest to God than when we're broken. 
And all those times when my house burned down, I told my kids, let's get closer to God. Let's not use this as an opportunity to, to get farther from God or to hate God or despise God. No. If God is dealing with us, then let's let him crush us more. Let's find out what we need to learn by these experiences. So he says, Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. That's when we hear God's voice the most. As soon as we're not broken, we, 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 we leave God there and, hey, you, we're going to build here. We're going to do this. And your voice is being heard. And the Lord says, wait a second, I got to go drop a rock on that guy. Because he's, 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 he is causing his voice to be louder than mine. And when you're broken, my friend, you're whimpering. <laughs> and God is speaking to you so sweetly and you hear him so loudly and so clearly when you're broken. But when you're not broken, your voice becomes a loud voice. Your heart becomes more. And, and that's what happened to this guy, Aitofel, who... He, he rose up. He didn't seek godly counsel. He wasn't, he says, I'll kill David myself. And, and what he did was so wrong. And ah, he was on a, and then finally he went and committed suicide. The Bible says that, that an unbroken person will take this thing in the wrong direction. So in that regards, the Lord wants to break us because that's when he's nearest to us. He saves such as have, we don't know what the word contrite means, but in my version here, it says crushed spirit. The Lord is able to, to direct somebody who trusts God and not trust himself. So the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and he saves such as have a crushed spirit. And you know how he breaks us through suffering. We, we all knew that. We all knew that. And, and we see that all kinds of suffering by water, by fire, family relationships, divorce, betrayal, separation, financial health. You name it. You name all those. Siley uh, Myris, right? Um, with a wrecking ball, right? Listen, all sorts of pattern, weather patterns, cl uh, climate uh, patterns that God will put you like he did with Jonah. He, he said a strong wind to go against him. That, that crushed him. He couldn't continue on his stubbornness, his pride. He had to be broken. He had to be thrown overboard and swallowed by a whale. No, a big fish, sorry. He had, he had to go through some stuff that is scary. So the question for you is, how much is it going to take for God to break you? And, and you still have a, a self-righteous, I don't deserve my house to be burnt out. I don't deserve to, I live for, and I do, and I, and I, and, and brother, you're not broken. That's all it comes down to. And when you're not broken, you are a weapon of mass destruction. You're, 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 God is going to have to bring in, and, and this is what Bill Gothard says. He says, a little hammer for those that break easy, a big hammer for those that have a hard head. Uh, and, and, and it'll break you to be refined and prepared to be a vessel to be used by God. And so there it is. Now I understand a lot. And so here is Jesus, our representation and model. Isaiah 53. How many think Jesus was broken? 
despised by his brothers, despised since his youth. Uh, they, they said that he was uh, an unwanted pregnancy. He, he just a, a, a just a, a whole bunch of stuff. Isaiah fifty three three says he was despised and rejected by men. This is this is a part of brokenness that you need to experience. You're not going to be applauded. Is that no? They put sixty three up there. I said fifty three three. Um. He's despised and rejected by men. When you're despised and rejected by men, say, Lord is breaking me because I love acceptance. I love men to applaud me and to say, man, you're, you're nice. And man, nobody understands you and, and you're cool. No, if I'm going to be like Jesus, I need to experience people not liking me. I mean, no, a lot of people don't like pastor. A lot of people. For a long time, when I was going to be born, the doctor says, don't let that guy come out. Let's, let, they told my mom, you have the mumps, let's, let's do an abortion. The devils were working overtime for this guy not to come out of the womb. And I'm there trying to come out, and the doctor says, kill it. Kill this man before he comes out. So since my youth, that has been the issue. So then we moved to a foreign country, America, with a name like Joaquin. And, and when they would call the roll every morning, the, the teacher would go, Akeem? Like if I was an Arab or something. And I was like, no, it's a Cuban name. It's a Latino name. But we lived in America up north, so it was difficult. So all that... The juices of rejection, the juices of you're not normal, all that stuff. He was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows acquainted with grief. Who is that? Jesus. This is the prophetic messianic verse talking about Jesus. And so we are called to be like him. So God will take us in that same route, rejected by man, despised, not liked, a man of sorrows. I thought we were supposed to be happy. Acquainted with grief. If we're not going through these things, I remember I became a lawyer and somebody filed a, a bar complaint against me. I was like six months out of the law practice. And they filed a, a, a bar complaint. Oh, he didn't do right. And I said, Lord, you know I did right. And he goes, yeah, but I need you to go through that so when other attorneys come, you feel what they have felt. I said, you sure? Yeah, yeah, we're just going through this valley so that you feel in your heart and experience in life the sadness and the grief of other people so that you can say, I went through the valley of the shadow of death and I don't fear no evil because God was with me. And if I don't go through that, they're like, oh, you never go through anything. So how can you talk to me? No, if we're going to talk to people, and this is what I love about this church, I'll bring these people and parade them through all the testimonies. Ah, you lost a kid, come here. Ah, you lost a parent, come here. Ah, you lost money, come here. And so we have been experienced with sorrow and with grief. It says we hid our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. We didn't value him. So all these aspects of brokenness, my friend, there's not something wrong with you. You're just in God's oven being prepared to be God's bread, to feed multitudes. You don't understand that. And so verse 4 keeps on saying about Jesus, surely he has, has borne our griefs. He, he was going through it, so now he could carry it. He carried our sorrows. 
He was identified with our issues, and so he can carry them. We esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted, broken. Verse 5, he was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. With his wounds, we are healed. When I first got saved, I would look into the life of, of our pastor, Richie, and I would say, wait a second. Look how he traverses trials. Look at the hardships. Look, look at how, and, and seeing him gave us encouragement to follow in that suit, to follow in that pattern, in that example. And so our lives have become the same. And, and some people have actually said this over the years. Man, if Joaquin could do it, anybody could do it. If, if, if look at his life, he's a mess. God's able to carry him. He could carry us too. And so our lives become the example, the chastisement of our peace upon him. By his stripes we are healed. Verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. The Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. So the depth of his, verse 7, he was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. You know, when, when we're going through trials, that's the biggest evidence of the God we serve. Uh, when I go to the mission field, there's scorpions, there's snakes, there's tarantulas, there's things I hate. And, and so a lot of people say, Pastor, you brought us here? I go, yeah. If we're here, we get to show how big God is that we don't die. I remember the first time Pastor Palma went with me to Nicaragua, and he says, I'll brush my teeth with dirty water. He spent five days with fevers, almost died, throwing up, diarrhea, all that stuff. And, and I said, listen, don't use the water, man. Let's stay alive. But in the mission field, God will save us from these things that are our setbacks. And there's no greater evidence of our God than going through problems. We haven't not gone through problems. He was like a lamb going to the slaughter and like sheep that before his shear is silent, he did not open his mouth. So a lot of people say, you Christians have no problems. Yes, we do. We have every problem in the book. In fact, God is able to entrust us the greater suffering because we'll, we'll stand in there and we'll take a bullet. I go to visit Christina's softball games, right? And the pitcher is horrendous. And she's hitting everybody. I was like, take a hit for the team, Tina. Let the ball hit you. Like, woo! Now take, take a hit for the team. Let people see you in the midst of suffering shining like stars in the firmament. So a lot of people says, don't come and preach the day after your house burns. Your house burned last night, Saturday. Don't come to church on Sunday. Of course I'll come to church on Sunday. I don't know if my house burns down, if, if great trials, great, you know, we're not inviting them. We're not saying, okay, God, come bring it on. No, but if they do come, we're not surprised because God is trying to break us. And here in the form of Jesus, a man of sorrows, stricken and acquainted, a friend of grief. 1 Peter 2.21, now New Testament, he says, for you see, you have been called for this purpose. What purpose were you called for? He says, I'm going to champion the world. No, for this you were called 
Just like Christ suffered, leaving you an example, you should follow in his steps. To what? To suffering. Why do I have to suffer so much? That's your calling. That's the purpose you're upon the earth for. And so here it is. God is using, God is looking for broken vessels to be used. Broken because they've gone through brokenness. He says this example that you should follow in his steps. Verse 22, he committed no sin. It wasn't suffering because of doing something wrong. A lot of people say, well, I'm not going to pay my bills no more, and I'm going to suffer a foreclosure. No, knucklehead. Don't suffer for doing bad. It's suffering while you're doing righteousness. There was no sin, no deceit found in his mouth. Verse 23, not because of what he was doing wrong. When he was reviled, he did not answer back. When he was mistreated... He didn't engage. You know who engages? Somebody who's not broken. Hey, yay! What? You want to fight? Let's take it outside. Come on. That's not a broken person. You're not taking advantage of me. I'll beat you up. No, a broken person says when he's reviled, he doesn't revile back. When he suffered, he did not threaten. When he was suffering, he didn't threaten. But he committed himself to him who judges righteously. He says, Lord, take care of this. But if you're not broken, and this is Wellington Boone says, the difference between a worm and a snake, the sinful nature of the devil, you step on a snake and it bites you. But if you step on a worm, it lets itself be stepped on. That's the nature of Jesus. One of the verses in in the book of Psalms says, I'm a worm. I'm I'm just somebody that is is ready to be broken. and, And that's... I promise you that that is when God can use you the most. That's when God is just going to glorify his name. And so he was broken and suffered. We shall follow in that brokenness and suffering so that we can walk not in the appearance that we have it all together. The opposite. I'm all undone. I, I, I don't have it together. God will have it together for me. The words of a non-broken person is, I will do this for my glory and to vindicate my cause. That's non-broken. I'll stand up to do this. I will do this and I'll do it for my glory and for my cause. A broken person says God will do it for his glory and for others. See the difference? The, the, the broken person is not, I'm going to do it, it's God's going to do it. God, God is able to do it. I'm going to get out of the way so God does it. And then it'll be for his glory and it'll be for the benefit of others. But an unbroken person, and we, ha- we have uh, several examples here of, of Joseph when he had his first dream, he told his brothers, I'm going to be keen over you guys. I had a dream, and God's going to make me prominent, and you're going to serve me. And they're like, okay, we'll sell you off as a slave. You'll go to prison for a while. You'll be accused of rape that you didn't do. You need brokenness, my friend. So when he had finally been broken, how many think Joseph went through the grinder? Absolutely. He went through incredible betrayal rejection there was nothing going for him and then look what he says super important 
in Genesis at the end of his life, chapter 41, verse 15. He's in jail. He's in prison. And the Pharaoh calls him. The king calls him and says, uh, said to Joseph, I've had a dream and there is no one who can interpret it. But I've heard it said of you that you, say with me, you can understand the dream and you can interpret it. You know what he says after being broken? Verse 16. No, Pharaoh, you got it wrong. It's not me. It's God. Look how he, he says, you know, nothing in my life is about me. Quit putting the focus light on me. I'm broken. I'm good for nothing. God has dealt with my pride. He's dealt with my stubbornness. He's dealt with my capacity. And, and this is the most difficult thing for human beings. That nature of sin and nature of Satan is I will, I will, I will, I will. I'm going to do it. I'm going to, is this all? And God says, I can't use this guy yet because it's all about him. It's not in me, but God will give Pharaoh an answer. The focus is on God and what God's going to do for his glory, not on Joseph and his ability. He was talking differently. Uh, uh, in Genesis 37, verse 5, Joseph had a dream and told it to his brothers, and they hated him. And they hated him even more. Verse 6, and he said to them, please hear this dream which I have dreamed. Look what's about to happen with my life. It was a misinterpretation. It was like the same thing with Moses in the next book of Exodus when he comes up to an Egyptian and kills him. An unbroken man will kill his enemy or even like Cain, an unbroken man will kill his brother. He says, you, you offered something better, I'll kill you. An unbroken man is dangerous because it's all about him. And so this is God dealing with us in this regards. It's not me, Pharaoh. It's God. Exodus 2, 11, One day after Moses had grown, it happened that he went to the countrymen and looked at the hard labors. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew. What do you do in the face of injustice when you're not broken? You take matters in your own hands. If you're broken, you say, listen, and, and later on in life, every time they confronted Moses, he would throw himself on the ground and say, Lord, please. I'm not going to grab somebody by the throat again because that's an unbroken man trying to excise vengeance on yourself. It came to pass that when Moses was grown, he, had given, uh, he went out to see the brethren and looked at their burdens, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. Verse 12, he turned to look around, and when nobody was watching, he killed him, and he buried him. This, this, is, this is an unbroken person. How many think that God could use us to change the world while we're not broken? It's not going to happen. God has been messing with us long and hard for 20 years to produce a character in our hearts that is useful in his hands. Moses had to go out to the desert for 40 years to be broken. And at the end of his life, the Bible says there was not a man that was more meek than him. There was not a man more meek than, than Moses. He would not have reprisal. He would not fight people back. He was waiting on God. 
King Saul was one who was not broken. And he says, I can go out there and prepare a sacrifice and present it before I go to battle. I don't need the prophet to come. I don't need Samuel to come. Who needs a Samuel to come? We, we could do it on our own. We don't need a pastor. And so Samuel shows up much later in 1 Samuel 13, 13 and says, you have done foolishly. You have not kept God's order. The Lord gave you. If you had, he would have established you in his kingdom forever. You would have been, 1 Samuel 13, 13, you would have been his man forever. But you stood there unbroken trying to play the part. We know what happened in Matthew 27, 3, that Judas, one of the 12, he goes and hangs himself. Why, why does Judah go and hang himself? Because he was trying to do all these things in his, own, in his own might. We'll read it quickly. Matthew 27, 3. Judas, the betrayal of Jesus, seeing that he had been condemned, talking about Jesus, was remorseful and felt bad. And he brought back 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And when they said, what do we have to do with this? Verse 5, he says, he threw down the pieces of silver. He left the temple and he went and he hung himself. The same thing that Ahithophel had done earlier. After today's preaching and sermon, I just pray that that you understand the, the game plan. Again, it's very difficult to understand why God would want to crush us. And, and it's not us particularly. It's our pride, our stubbornness, our resistance, our, our uh, self-righteousness, our thinking we're going to do something. No, my friend, God is looking for vessels that are broken. Mark, uh, no, let's go to Matthew 26. The Bible says in verse 6, that there was, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon and a woman came with an alabaster vial. We've had heard this preaching forever. I didn't understand it. But the preachers would say that she broke the alabaster vial, a very expensive perfume, and she poured it out on Jesus' head to anoint him. This, this alabaster flask, it's costly. It's our lives without it being broken without a suffering hardship. Now, as, as I look back at, at seasons in my life, different scenarios that were taking care of business in different areas of my life. And while we ask God, 2 Corinthians 12, 8, many times, Lord, take this, these beatings away from us. The Lord says, no, You're, you, need, you need this to be hard-pressed and crushed you need to have the opposition come. 2 Corinthians 12, 8. I pleaded with the Lord to take these away from me. We're saying, Lord, I don't want to have problems. I don't want to have problems. Why do I have trials? Why do I have hardships? Why are difficulties? Why uh, I must be in the wrong place. My friend, you're in the right place. Stay right there. Let God crush you. Let God just deal with your life. He'll do so relationally with your friendships. He'll do so in your family. He'll do so in your marriage. It's a constant day for brokenness. And, and to be able to deal with these setbacks and adversities. We talked about Wednesday with the closest of our friends. For the guys that are closest to us, we seem to suffer the most. 
And we need to ask God, God, give me what's in you that you don't, that you don't strive, that you don't argue, that you don't lift up, that you don't revenge. Um, I always say that, that, that the mercy of God far surpasses any concept that I have uh, and it continues to amaze me. Father, thank you for this day that you've made. Thank you, Lord, that we understand that you desire to use broken vessels. And we're still not broken. We still want to stand. We still want to justify. We want to argue. We want to have thoughts in our brains that are inconsistent with losing our life. That the expression of pride is self-preservation. We don't have to defend ourselves because we have one who defends us. And if someone asks us to go a mile, well, you told us to go two. And if somebody asks us for our coat, we are to give them our cloak also. And if somebody strikes our cheek, we're to turn our, and give them the other side of our face. So teach us, Lord, how to walk like you walked. And then to have the rewards of being able to be men of sorrows acquainted by grief and crushed and pressed on every side. And that we might come out shining for your glory. That the fragrance of your presence and your perfume be evident in our lives not because there's no problems, but because we're stricken on every side, that we might lift up the banner of our Lord and King, Jesus Christ. We pray your blessing upon all the families of the church in the coming days. We pray, Father God, for prosperity and peace in the midst of suffering and trials and hardships. Lord, make us, make us fit to be able to carry this charge in a manner that glorifies you. In Jesus' name we pray and the house of God says, amen, amen, and amen.